I'm Cam from the Nerdbook Review, where we strive to broaden your fantasy horizons. Today, we are going to be bringing you Empire of Sand by Tasha Suri. It will be the last new episode of the year for us. Uh, there will be a end of year, um, our favorites review coming up. And then uh, we'll probably have a week off. And then at the beginning of the new year, we'll have one new episode. It will be The Gods Themselves by Isaac Asimov. Uh, it's an old classic of sci-fi. And it will actually just be Barry and Chris on that episode. I did not take part in it. Um, I was here while they recorded. But other than that, I was off on baby duty. After that, I am hoping to get a few Spiffbo finalist interviews in, and then we'll kind of do a little mix of interview and book review for the next, uh, I don't know, a couple months at least, uh, probably three or four months. If you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that last year I interviewed eight or nine of the 10 finalists for Spiffbo last year. I really enjoyed that, and I am hoping to be able to do the same this year. I've actually already interviewed two of the finalists before they were actually in Spiffbo because I really enjoyed the books. So um, let me give you my usual introduction spiel, and then we'll get right to the interview. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Nerdbook Review. And on Twitter, Nerdbook Review is the handle. If you just Google Nerdbook Review, you will find us. Um, if you could be so kind as to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. Uh, it does help the podcast get seen by more eyes, and we would really appreciate it. All right, let's get right to the review, and I hope you guys have a a wonderful holiday season. Thank you. Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Chris. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today, we will be reviewing Empire of Sand by Tasha Suri. Chris, this is our second episode of the day. (laughs) Still going strong? Still going strong, yeah. Good. uh, Yep. (laughs) um hopefully this episode will be airing just the week after the other one so um i'm hoping to get two in december out um well three four four episodes in december at least maybe a fifth one and we'll do the beginning of the end of the year one you know yeah i'd like to get us together for an end of the year maybe if we can oh i'd love to maybe we can try to get one um in with barry um we got to figure out what we're going to do about if eric is ready to record already yeah what are you What are you doing for New Year's? This is just I random. Don't have plans, but I think I have uh, that Monday and Tuesday off. Okay, well maybe we should try to see if we can't get like a New Year's type of a deal where I could bring the recording equipment somewhere, to, like one yeah. of you guys, and yeah, that'd be fun. Anyways, got to talk to Eric and and Barry. Usually, Eric's the one that's got plans. That well, usually yeah. Francis is the one that has plans, and Eric <laughs> just gets informed that he <laughs> yeah that he is busy. <laughs> yeah. If we're home. Oh, with the baby? We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, if people are willing to come over on New Year's, well, I guess we'll find out. Um, all righty. Let's give the book info, uh, book stats, and all that good fun stuff. The book is Surrey's debut novel. Uh, it came out at the beginning of November this year, so the beginning of this month. It was published by Orbit Books. It is the first novel in the Books of Amba. That sound right? Sure. Amba series. Yeah. Uh, Suri is British. She is of Indian descent. Uh, story does have an Eastern feel to it. For those of you who are looking for a non-European Middle Ages uh, yeah. novel, sort of a Persian. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, the I think the Mughal Empire that was in Eastern India 
um, oh, where, okay. where it is more of a deserty area, and it was actually taken over by the Arabs, the Muslims. Okay. Um, in that conquest. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I sort of. Uh, I mean, I did. I guess I don't have as much the uh, history background. Uh, yeah. yeah, the history background. So for me, it wasn't as easy to. Uh, picture. So for me, I filled those gaps with what I have seen, and mm-hmm. that is uh, La Alhambra, which is the Moorish structure in Granada. Oh, okay, yeah. which, so I did kind of have that, yeah. yeah, the Moorish. Uh, yeah, and it does, it fits. Um, yeah. Like I said, well, and you know, in college, I studied history and uh, theology, mm-hmm. and I studied uh, the, uh, the three. Uh, monotheistic religions, so I did have a little bit of, of background yeah. with um, dealing with like the Mughal Empire. Not cool. not a lot, um, mm-hmm. obviously, because you didn't have Christianity and Judaism that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I didn't spend nearly as much time, but at least I had like a framework. And I think Eastern. Yeah. I could be completely making this up, but I probably <laughs> Eastern. I'm guessing because it did say it does say in her bio that she spent a lot of time in India as a child. Okay. And I'm visiting family, so I'm guessing maybe like the Eastern part. What maybe it had some more deserty area. It's not like the the jungle, you know, tropical jungle that we think of. Yeah. So anyways, um, like I said, I could be just that part of it. I could be. Perfect. Anyways. Uh, none of that is necessary. Yeah. Just clarifying that because I didn't have that. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we are. Not necessary, but I think it really helped me in my like idea structure of, sure. of things, you know. Probably adds an, an extra element. Yeah. Uh, Chris, would you be so kind as to read the Goodreads blurb? Poor yes. favor. The Amrithi are outcasts, nomads, descended of desert spirits. They are coveted and persecuted throughout the empire for the power in their blood. Myrrh. <laughs> Mare is the illegitimate daughter of an imperial governor and an exiled Amrithi mother. She can barely remember. That was terrible. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and start that over? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what? so much for my one take. This is <laughs> Mare is the illegitimate daughter of an imperial governor and an exiled Amrithi mother she can barely remember, but whose face and magic she has inherited. When Mare's power comes to the attention of the emperor's most feared mystics, she must use every ounce of will, subtlety, and power she possesses to resist their cruel agenda. Should she fail, the gods themselves may awaken seeking vengeance. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't great. Uh, that works though. I don't know if we're gonna have a beep in it. That might have been loud enough, high enough pitch to to catch it. Okay. Uh, distractions. That's my excuse. Okay. There we are. All right. Uh, my own take. Uh, quick one. Mare is the illegitimate daughter of the governor of Desert Province, as it says. She is half Amrithi and has inherited the magic of her mother's people. Uh, that's also in the other blurb. But her blood is going to set in place a series of events that could topple an empire and bring the wrath of the gods down upon the people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, the Goodreads one was pretty succinct too. So, yeah. Um, Chris, your take initial? If Jasmine had magic blood. <laughs> there we are. So, one thing that's important here. Uh, Unlike the other the book we were talking about last week, as the way the episode will go, Priest of Bones, um, the gods are very real in this one, yes. and uh, so the Amrithi, they're not, it, this isn't a, it's not their myth, you know that they're descended from the gods. They're legitimately descended from the gods. Yeah, um, and so their their blood does contain a magical ability uh, that they can interact with the gods, basically placate mm-hmm. them. Yeah. 
And um, the way this empire works is structured basically on being able to use them mm-hmm. to placate those gods. Yeah, in a way, the the gods have been sort of almost shunned, uh, but their power is still channeled to... The Imrithi have been shunned. The, well, yeah, but... the gods, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, so their power is then channeled to the benefit of the people, mm-hmm. but they're still sort of... Hated. Pushed aside. Yeah. Yeah. The structure is the, the and this is um, kind of getting into the storyline a little bit. The the church and state are one in this one. Mm-hmm. There is a family, like a line of emperors in yep. the Amban Empire, Amban, however you say it. Um, and they <coughs> they have ruled now for hundreds of years. Did I get like close to a thousand? I couldn't actually find it in the book as I was looking um, through it, but I swear that it's been at least several hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find the exact. I, I read. I went. Th- I just skimmed through. You know, at the beginning today, yeah, and I was to trying to figure out that. But so the very first emperor who actually managed to conquer a bunch of this territory, he is still alive, and mm-hmm. he is now like the head of their church, basically, um, and he is able to use the Amrithi's power and then their own power of prayer to basically keep the empire from crumbling mm-hmm. like he's they, they they're able to stop the gods from doing like the, they're from balancing things out i guess yeah they they talk quite a bit about the the balance yeah. and how they they keep the gods and that uh that magical uh m- magical heritage before the current people that still yep. kind of have a little bit of that they kind of keep them at bay yeah uh for fear of balance. Yeah. Not and, unlike Star Wars <laughs> uh, yeah. and bringing balance to the Force and how that's supposed to be a good thing, but that would mean letting evil back. Yeah. Well, one funny thing, too, is, is that that's always something that was in the back of my mind with this story, is that if you didn't have the Amrithi being oppressed... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be some pretty major backlash. I think it's important to not be spoilery. I mean, we're already going a little bit. I think it's necessary to talk about it. But in this book, this backlash doesn't necessarily happen, but we're aware that it could happen if it does happen. So I'm not like giving away the ending that there's a backlash by saying that. But that this empire existing, and that is something that Mare as a character is always does have in the back of her mind is that she's not happy with what she's being forced to do, but she does understand that a lot of people, including her family might die. Yep. If she does break, you know, break away and do the thing that might be considered just, Mm -hmm. um, Chris, you are the one that mentioned to me that this book is more about relationships. Do you want to describe that a little bit? Sure. Um, so to open, the the major relationship is Mare and a younger sister who, uh, while having the same blood, doesn't necessarily have the same ability mm-hmm. uh, to use the magic within her blood. Um, so you have, initially, you have this relationship between uh, an older sister who's going to be subjugated uh, and a younger sister who may not understand a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, just as an initial uh, glimpse into the relationships, that's that's your first one, where you know they love each other but are going to have to be separated and yeah. trying to uh, and you have trying the evil to stepmother. explain that. Yep, you have an evil stepmother. <laughs> um, 
who is, I think, kind of kind of at war with herself as far as the importance of her stepdaughter, but also the uh, the unimportance of her. Yeah. It's kind of that that weird uh, that weird catch twenty two when you have a someone who is powerful but also subjugated. Yeah. Well, and her dad is a member of the like the ruling class, the ruling yeah. race, and um, so all the governors they're appointed. They, they they don't have their power on their own. They're appointed by the prophet or the emperor mm-hmm. based on um, you know loyalty. And so even though so on the one hand she's you know half a member of that, but also a half a member of that class that is subjugated. And, yeah. Um, and so and the, but the younger sister was. Um, was a ba- an infant when the mother left, mm-hmm. and Mare was old enough to have already started getting her the rights and doing the things that are forbidden, basically. Yeah, and uh, not worshiping the prophet, and you know, and those kind of things, and so and the empire, basically the cult of empire and the cult of you know the mm-hmm. original emperor, and so, um, this is a book that I think is kind of funny. Um, I guess it's not quite time to get into you know the way we thought about it, but um. The so you know it is that that that's the first relationship, and then mm-hmm. we're going to have a couple of other um, really important yeah, relationships. I would say the next uh, important relationship is going to be Mare and her. What would you call her? Her dance instructor and mentor. You know, yeah, dance instructor slash mentor. Uh, I mean, maybe this is where we mentioned that the magic is channeled uh, through dance. Yep. Uh, which just on its face sounds okay, but it's actually really cool. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what's the character? Lolita? I don't know if you yes, have written I forgot down to write some, that down. Something like that. Yes, and she is also Amrithi, but is able to pass off as a different race that's like, that's okay. And she acts yeah. as a cur- courtesan, so mm-hmm. basically a high class prostitute. Although, you know, that's not really discussed any, you know, in terms of yeah. that. This is a book that skirts actually talking about <laughs> sex an awful lot while there's an awful lot of like hinting at it and mm-hmm. things like that um when we get a little farther i want to talk about you know another book series sure. that i but but anyways as we get back into to this we have um so then that's the next one and then the, after that um a big event will happen in this big sandstorm mm-hmm. that is um that only happens in this desert the holy desert you know yeah um and it uh, is gonna she's gonna actually finally use her magic for the first time and yep. that's gonna bring her to the attention of the prophet yep. and the empire and uh, her actual ability to use it because it's needed um, and then we're gonna have um, Amuru is that how you Amuru I'm I'm actually blanking on how I a moon a moon oh geez yeah. So then we have a moon. A moon. Who's the next big relationship? Mm-hmm. And who is he, Chris? He is. Uh, oh, I don't know. How would you describe his position there? He's another uh, Amrithi. Yep. Who is able to do this channeling of the of the gods' energy and yep. Um, and in a large way, he's a slave to it. Yes, literally. Um, one thing that's important to note too is is that like so. Women are definitely sub, you know, su- um, subjugated by men, basically yeah. in this in in the empire. Uh, the only thing they have any sort of control over is their marriage contract. Other than that, they're not allowed yeah. to to enter into any sort of contract. They are completely under the rule yeah. of their um, their husband, except for the Amrithi. 
and their culture is very much more um, equal. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that's funny too is we talked about this with Matt, that once you in, once you in put magic into play mm-hmm. and women have magical abilities too, it's pretty hard for the average <laughs> person to really subjugate. Yeah. Um, if It doesn't matter how physically dominating a man can be. If he can be controlled by a woman's magic, then it's right. necessary to be far more... There's uh, an equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so the Amrithi are the only ones that do that. So then normally they don't even have marriages. They don't ever enter into a binding contract because right. they're legitimately binding. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of been so, right. made a slave sort of by a, bindings. Sort of a magical binding yeah. is how I kind of saw anything that's a contract, vows, yeah. uh, to uh, uh, marriage vows, any other kind of vows uh, have kind of a magical binding to them. Yeah. And so, um, so a moon's relationship, he's going to be, you know, her love interest and in, uh, mare's mm-hmm. love interest in this. Not starting off that way, but. Right. There's uh, sort of, uh, there's sort of a forced couple initially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think that the thing that really makes this book for me is, and since it is all about relationships though, is, is that the people, like I love their interactions, mm-hmm. um, how she inter- how Mare interacts with basically everybody that she interacts with, and she's such a th- even though she's young, she's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not a spoiled brat. She doesn't, yeah. and even when she's when you know she understands that the relationship's unfair with her between her mother, her stepmother, mm-hmm. and her and her sister, but she understands at the same time that there's a reason why it is the way it is. Right, and she's not like bitter and angry. And Amun is honestly. I mean, he could have been an awful character, but he yeah. deals with his, you know, basically slavery in such a great way, right? That I just really liked the characters. They were all yeah, like they absolutely. They, they were everybody you know that that I dealt with regularly, seemed, or didn't like. Yeah, the ones you were supposed to not like. Mm-hmm. Um, you but, have ultimately uh, the uh, I forget his title, but basically the bad guy. Yeah. Um, I can't remember it right now either for some reason. Even I forgot <laughs> to write it down, but yeah, but I always thought of him as uh, like the prophet. Yeah, uh, Maha, Maha, yeah, Maha, something like that. Um, but the the ability that he has uh, of compulsion, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was kind of uh, was very well done. Uh, not unlike uh, I'm blanking on the character's name now, but from uh, the bad guy in the first season of Jessica Jones. Oh God, I can't. But I yeah, but no, it's you... another instance of compulsion being used very well in a story to really, to really give you that like ick factor yeah. of oh, I, I don't like the helplessness that I'm I'm experiencing through this character. Yeah, uh, I thought that was extremely well done. Yeah. Well, the interactions are just so good. I mean, they feel so real. And but like, like I said, I think that Mare could have been a terrible character. I mean, she could have been one I wouldn't have liked yeah. as a teenage girl mm-hmm. if she had reacted like a modern teenage girl probably would have. You know. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of like I always look at. I always have the the princess that I hate is the <laughs> one that causes a war because she doesn't want to marry a man. Right. Yeah, she makes the decisions to save her friends and her family and her people. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't want to marry, um, you know, a moon like the day that she meets him. Yeah, but and that's the one thing that she supposedly has control over is whether she does marry the man or not. She has a firm grasp on her sense of duty. Yep. Uh, 
in the face of really not wanting to yeah. have to make decisions for that duty. Yeah. And but it's the kind of thing that like I just feel <laughs> that you know we've described that uh, I've mentioned that that's my number one pet peeve is the the prince that doesn't want to rule or the princess that doesn't want to marry mm-hmm. and causes people to die. And so maybe like subconsciously I was just more going to like the character <laughs> because I felt like she does her duty mm-hmm. and she understands her duty. Yeah. If you have that, she pri- shucks that trope. Yeah. If you have that privilege, you know, I mean, there's people that are starving that, that legitimately are described as starving in this story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's lived a life of luxury. So she does what she needs to do mm-hmm. to keep her family safe. And she understands that she's had that life of luxury, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just really liked the characters and the way their interactions, you know? And, and yeah. it's funny too, because there isn't a ton of action really. I mean, there's scenes. No, there really, it's not an action story. Yeah. In, a, in some ways, it's kind of a, like a romantic drama. Yeah, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I'm going to bring in my uh, Jacqueline Carey. Uh, Kashiel's Dart is the series. Um, it's actually a pretty popular series. That's uh, probably one that, Chris, I bet you have never even heard of before I this. I not. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, and, and uh, at the end of the book, Suri does say that she was influenced by uh, Carrie and the Kashiel's Dart series. Um, so the main character in the uh, Kashiel's Dart, she's the avatar for this god, Kashiel, mm-hmm. who is basically like the god of pleasure and pain. So she's like, a, I mean, it's like serious S&M bondage type stuff. <laughs> and only, I w- it's funny, uh, Katie has mentioned, one time mentioned to me that like a book, she called it Cliterature. Um, and that's kind of like, almost, <laughs> I swear that like Jacqueline Carey's series like really skirts that. Like that, that's not, um, like the sex is described in that one even, you know, mm-hmm. like basically some real heavy duties S&M bondage type stuff. Sure. Um, and but Suri doesn't go that far. Like you know, this is uh, I you know everyone from a middle from early teens on could probably enjoy this book. Yeah, it's not YA for sure. No, but, but it's you, accessible. It's accessible. Yeah, as whereas like Kushiel's Dart by Carrie goes to <laughs> you might like not full want a twelve year old yeah. reading that. Yeah, you probably don't need it. Yeah, a twelve year old you know talking about like legitimate intimate sexual positions based on and bondage things and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. but but I did I did actually really like um, Carrie's series and the Kushiel's Dart though because it's also a really good uh, like um, historical fantasy style. Hmm. It's kind of a, it's a fictional world, but basically it reminds me of like France and like what would be like early renaissance late medieval too you know mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it's actually really good like in terms of well written but is you know huh. like real like there's a lot of titillating aspects <laughs> but this one skirts that but doesn't ever actually go you know get to that point yeah and and there's no bondage type stuff in this no. one either but i'm just saying no. that like this is kind of a, it, it was a series if i had to say something that reminded me of it it was that huh um, but um, that style of writing. So if any of you out there are listening to this and have ever read her work, um, I did. I had a feel of that the entire time, even before I, you know, read, got to that last page and saw that. Mm-hmm. I was that's that was the first thought of what this reminded me of. Huh. Anywho, um, getting into the the whole how did it make us feel? Did we like it? Kind of thing. I think we've talked a lot about that already. But Chris. What what's your general thought on whether you liked it or not? Or you know, uh, I uh, when I first heard of it, I was excited about it. Yeah. I thought it was a neat idea. Um, and then as I started reading and got a feel for uh, what the book was like, um, 
I I really enjoyed it, but it also is a little bit outside of the things that I do enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but for me, the writing was fantastic. I got swept up in some of the scenes that aren't necessarily action, but uh, are kind of the... I guess they're sort of they're the action, but they're not violence. Yeah, I guess I should say. I, yeah, I'm, maybe that just says too much about me that about I our, equate uh, grim the two. dark and our yeah. style. Or, yeah, <laughs> but the the uh, the descriptions of uh, channeling the magic and the mm-hmm. dancing and all that, I completely got swept away with the prose of that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very well written uh, story yeah. without being overwritten. Yeah, which yeah, is important exactly. to note when you when when the the flowery prose is important, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go too far. Like I always, you know, I drone on about that ma- movie in my mind. I seriously have not had too many books where I could imagine the world better than this one. Yeah, I mean, I really felt like I could just picture this world so perfectly. Yep. Like everything about it. Like I imagined the sandstorms. Mm-hmm. I saw kind of like a city. You know, like. A real like adobe buildings with mm-hmm. like right on the edge of the desert. Like I could see tufts of grass and trees. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like little and the oasis, the the abbey that they go to. Yep. With the oasis in the middle. I mean, I'm like I could perfectly picture every bit of this. Story. Absolutely, yeah. it's uh, it's so so descriptive, so yep. just fantastically uh, laid out for you. Yep. That yeah, it's yeah. it was really good. Yeah, um, and like I said, I, and for, I'm the same way as Chris, where I, I for a year, I you know I heard about this like I swear an entire year ago, mm-hmm. and thought, man, this is gonna be such a cool book, and then I started reading it, and same thing. My first thought was, oh no, this is not my style of book necessarily, right. but then like I said, it was just so well written and so yeah. good that I just kept on reading. I read it in like two days. Um, I stayed up way past my bedtime mm-hmm. to read it. Um, and you know, that's my whole, always, <laughs> that's one of my other rules of if I stay up past my bedtime, then the book's probably going to get a five star. And I did two nights in a row. So, uh, if that says anything about where I'm going to rate this book. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's all about the relationships as opposed to like, you know, like violent action, like you said, Yeah. but it's just done, it's executed so well in yeah. my mind that, um, it's funny. A lot of people I, um, who I like as reviewers, um, said they gave it four stars instead of five because they felt like it bogged down at times. But I, I personally didn't feel like it bogged down for me at all. I could, I could see what they're talking about. I think that there were, uh, there were occasions where maybe it, like, it kind of s- overexplained some political consequences. Oh, okay, maybe. Or um, maybe there was a little bit too much of uh, if you're if you're inside of Mare's mind and she's kind of going over some of her options, there was mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of repetition. Okay. Um, maybe this is where my whole her doing what I think a princess should be doing thing <laughs> like didn't bother me because in my mind she was um, affirming. She was analyzing. Yeah. And, and, and affirming what she should be doing. And, yeah. and, I, and yeah. I was like, yes, <laughs> you're doing what you need to be doing. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's a... Uh, so it worked for you. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, it worked great for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Chris, uh, the whole how did it make us feel thing, where are you at on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it made me, uh, it made me feel, like I said, I, I got that ick factor mm-hmm. when, when they're under, under compulsion, you're genuinely rooting for them. I mean, it made me feel yeah. like it was enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sometimes uh, I ask that question. Yeah, sometimes, and sometimes it's just it's kind of a weird like, well, sometimes it's more appropriate than others, I think, in our, <laughs> yeah. as, we dis- as we do it. But for me, like, yeah, I think that 
I was just so happy that I had a character who I I just liked Mare so much, mm-hmm. and I liked a moon. Um, and then, like you said, the, the ick factor and, with the pro. I mean, he was a he was a skeezy kind of guy. Like yeah. And so, but at the same time, though, he, he was he's kind of like the evil emperor. What he was doing legitimately was helping most people. Yeah. I mean, it, he could have been a whole lot less icky about it but i mean you know he was also someone who was made immortal because of basically a cult of personality almost you know Mm -hmm. so um on on your uh what would you rate it chris well as your new uh, yeah my under my new kind of rubric of uh uh you know five stars is i'll read it again Mm -hmm. and, and potentially again and again and again uh and then four star, I will continue reading. I will seek out other work by this author. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just partially because it's not really in my mm-hmm. uh, my wheelhouse, my general uh, genre. Uh, it kind of doesn't fit it for me as a five, although I do consider it a very well written thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, four plus. Yeah. It's kind of where I want to say with that, just because I, I mean, I definitely will continue to read this and would seek out anything else by yep. uh, Tasha Suri. Uh, but I'm just not 100% that I would reread this one. Yep. This one. I definitely enjoyed it. Yep. And I think that, that that's a perfect way with your new, with your rating system that now we'll be three or four episodes into as we're discussing yeah. this once we get to this. But yeah, if you would reread the book, that's what gives you a five star Yeah. Um, or not. And so I think, yeah, four plus is a good rating for yeah. the way that you're, you know. This is probably, it. I mean, the first time using that rubric where this has been conflicting because I yeah. do think that this is very good. Yeah. But I'm just partially victim of my taste. Yep. This isn't one that I'm going to pick back up and read. Although I will definitely read more in the series, uh, more by this author, which I guess in some ways shows just how good the book is that you're conflicted. Yeah, that, that when it's not your uh, your reading style, and for me, um, I'm going to give this one a five star. Uh, it's probably going to just miss that five plus. Same thing mm-hmm. that this isn't quite my genre, so it's going to be a five star. Yeah. Um, real close to that five plus, uh, I will most certainly read the next book in the series. There's absolutely zero question on that, mm-hmm. but it's probably just going to miss out being on my like favorite books of the year, but yeah. just going to miss out on it though. You know, that's which I mean, you know, when I'm going to be 60 or so books in this year, that's pretty, right. pretty good that it's going to be like, it's going to be in my top 10, but I probably only go with top five on my, <laughs> you know, like on my as, list as at the end of the year. It, yeah. yeah, as we discuss end of the year. So it's going to be somewhere on the fringes of my favorite books of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I will certainly be reading book two. Yeah. Um, I hope that we can get ourselves an arc of that when it's available. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, um, really enjoyed it. Um, actually, I'm glad we got to get two books in a row we really liked today as we were yeah. discussing. So, yeah. uh, you know, one of the two, uh, Priest of Bones, is going to make it in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that favorite books of the year uh, for me, and hopefully when we, hopefully we'll be able to get an end of the year episode in uh, yeah. here in, um, sometime in the end of, towards the end of December. We at least get Barry involved in it. And sure. So, all right, Chris, uh, thank you for coming over today Absolutely. and working Thanks around our me. yeah baby baby remodel <laughs> schedule. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. Hey, thanks. Thank you guys for listening. And once again, thanks for uh, sticking around. I know I haven't been the most consistent this, uh, <laughs> this entire summer so and, and winter now. Yeah. So, thank you. Thanks. Thanks.